Hi everyone, here to recap um, our interview with Mr. Edward Bengara, our respiratory therapist from Sunday's show. Um, we had a wonderful time hearing his journey and um, I think one of the major you know, summary points of his journey that I would like to translate here for value would be that I really enjoyed the fact that even though, you know, sometimes he, he, he did his training in Colombia. So let me explain the dynamic of a um, Latin American education versus an American education. Um, in Latin America, unfortunately, there's a lot of dipotism. And sometimes if you just don't have the resources, it's very hard for you to pursue certain things. If your family is not, you know, doesn't have um, the funding, um, there's not this robust, you know, FAFSA and all these scholarships that you can get, you know, being here in the United States. And if you have the grades, you know, pretty much anyone can aspire to go to their state college or, and you know, and study whatever they want. Um, in Latin America, it's a little different. Um, you kind of have to have money to study what you want to study and um, if you don't then you just have to you know <laughs> pay what you can afford and sometimes also you take tests that limit what you can be so the SAT is you know kind of an analogous to that but it's even a little bit more stringent in what they do in Latin America they you know you take an exam and then it tells you you know you can't apply for that if you get a certain score you know or if you don't take that exam well you just you know you don't have the money to take it well then you just have to do a trade school and they, which is a little bit like Europe and so Mr. Vengara he you know comes from humble beginnings but his mother and his family sacrificed everything you know for him to be able to, to do something in healthcare. and after figuring out what he could do he decided on respiratory therapy and I feel like what persistence does that show you know that you know despite the fact that he didn't have the money to become a doctor which is what really he wanted to do he he's he kind of looked at his options and still pursued something and I think that's so honorable and he made all those that you know some people here you know they take advantage of what they do here and and you know they get they're like, oh, well, my parents are paying for this college course or that. And they're not really thinking about how <clears throat> sometimes some people can't even go to college and they have to compromise on their dream, not because they don't have the qualifications to do it, but because they don't have the money to study it. And I feel like um, I really appreciate Mr. Vengara's um, persistence, passion, and um, fever for medicine, because despite the fact he couldn't do exactly what he wanted, he tried to find some way to still help um, other humans in their walk through the hospital, you know, their admission through the hospital. And that was so sweet, um, because, you know, trying to be in his shoes, you know, be empathetic. Um, you know, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't doing medicine, you know, I would, you know, I'd, I'd be feeling, you know, wow, I didn't ever get my 
opportunity, you know, and be all bitter about it and and always be wishing to want to do medicine and not be able to, you know, and that and he seemed very happy about it and he even said that actually that was the best decision he made that being a respiratory therapist was like the best field for him and that kind of helps people understand that sometimes it's not about getting what you want but it's sometimes also to listen to what your journey is and that maybe sometimes the journey that you go through if you open yourself enough to to walk that journey that you can pick up the richness of life along this journey instead of being bitter about you know didn't get what exactly what you wanted and so what a great um, personal experience and story from my guest I'm thoroughly enjoying these interviews I really love to dig deep into my guests and listen to their personal story. It's uh, an amazing thing to hear about another's journey, you know. And um, even though like as doctors, we that's what we do every day. We go into rooms and we interview people and we dig deep into personal people's lives very quickly. And, you know, once you close that door, it, it gets very intimate and and it's an honor to to do that and I love doing that every day um, but what I'm realizing is that this show as well is almost sort of like that but in a way like to expose people's story and to show how they're they have gone through their journey and what has gotten them today to to uh, to to where they are today and that everyone has a story and that everyone can teach us something and um, that's kind of cool as well. And I'm really enjoying that from doing this show. And so after we talked about um, Dr. Bengara's um, personal journey, we jumped into some of the respiratory illnesses that you know are heavy hitters right now in the winter time. Even though here there's a winter, but you know, in Latin America, there's not quite that much of a winter <laughs> because, you know, it's the tropics most of the time. And maybe probably like in Uruguay, Paraguay, Argentina is probably where they have a little bit more of the four seasons. <laughs> or in Brazil, too, I believe, like, but very, very south, uh, far away from the equator. <laughs> um, but he also explained about the fact that he had one particular story which is always funny in medicine it's always like that like someone that you know someone keeps having a particular illness and you know you're like okay i don't know what else to give this person and you know you're at your wits in um management wise and then you're like okay well it goes back to the basics you know ask the history and investigate more on that and go into details and when he did that which is very classic that once you start asking okay okay where do you sleep and where are you do you have pets and do you have this do you have and when you start asking all these detailed questions you know and there you find the gold nugget of why they're been having persistent you know asthma that hasn't been able to be cured <laughs> and he said that you know and this is very this kind of breaks the the barrier of medicine where you know even though we might be almost at half a hemisphere away <laughs> 
he talks about the same thing that, you know, he talked to the patient and he's like, okay, you've had like three, four exacerbations of asthma today or, you know, in this year and you're coming today with an exacerbation again and we don't know what else to give you. So what's going on at home? Oh, you know, and he finds out that what was the big was being the biggest culprit was the um, stuffed animals in her room all the stuffed animals in her room and that she had a pillow that she hadn't she's had for years and years and years and years and years and that you know that was the reason why she wasn't being very (laughs) compliant and or the treatment wasn't being effective for her and so I love those anecdotal stories because it brings down the basic principles of you that we already know like for example you know you don't have to keep your pillow more than you know 10 years because you know it collects dust and fomites and that can be a source of allergies that could exacerbate someone's allergies or if you have a lot of um, stuffed animals that you need to dust them or clean your your room because that in itself the accumulation of dust can cause you know the exacerbation of your asthma as well so but I love to tell those, you know, factoids and how it comes out in a story fashion for people to still be able to gather the value from it. And so that was a wonderful story that I really liked. And it's actually very classic in our field that, you know, you're kind of like a detective. At the end of the day, this is like detective work. And the ones that are going to crack the code are those that listen to the patient. So (laughs) I think that was a great story. So the next thing we talked about was um, influenza and how that's very rampant right now during the winter months, especially in January and February. And so I emphasized on the fact that, you know, influenza is not a bacteria. It's a virus. Influenza is a virus. And thus... um, can mutate and that's why we need to have a a vaccine every year because you know the doctors or the people who are making the vaccine are predicting the top five mutations um, for the next coming season and sometimes they get it wrong sometimes they get it right and and um, but a person who's young like six months or younger and or 65 years old and older are at high risk, you know, and of course, pregnant women and people with chronic diseases, which also have um, lower defense mechanisms, need to be taking their flu shot because they're at more risk of acquiring the infection. And so, not infection, sorry, the acquiring the virus. See? (laughs) See, that's why you have to be very careful. Um, The terms that you use, you can't use them lightly. You're going to confuse people. And the whole point is to clarify and to justify things and the reasoning behind why there's recommendations. So um, that's one thing I explained. And obviously that the difference between like the key thing that someone who has a loved one who's getting sick to know the difference between that, you know, they're getting a cold, you know, and, you know, the common cold, the nothing of severity versus the flu you know, the key is that someone would have high fevers starting out, you know, the first couple of days, 
usually the first day or two days you're having high fever and um, feeling the malaise, which is like, you know, feeling like like a wet rag, you know, no energy. And so that happens very soon in the progression of the of the infection. And so when you are um, getting something else, you might, you know, feel a little bad, but you don't have a fever. You know, that's the key thing that if you're having the flu, you'll have that fever recorded pretty early in the time frame. So that's the key for everyone to take home. And so, um, but otherwise, don't get confused either that, well, um, people who are older, they can also have complications after the infection. So, you know, they clear the, you know, virus, the influenza virus, and then, you know, two weeks later, you're like, they're still coughing and having sputum. And so you have to really think about that, hmm, maybe grandma now has a complication, maybe a pneumonia or that is compounded from the initial um, virus. So you still have to go to the doctor and make sure that, you know, she doesn't have those or, you know, your loved one doesn't have a complication because something should be resolving in three weeks. If it's not, then that's that's a red flag. You know, like if you're having a, something that was just a, you know, quote unquote, calm, a common cold or a flu, and then you're still having when you're not getting better over three weeks then that's something you need to go to the doctor and don't don't be the one guessing trying to guess you know oh it should be fine i'll wait this out you know so um that's um what we talked about and then um let's see what else um just i believe that's it um but of course Remember that you can always call into the station and tell us what you would like to hear, uh, what topics, um, and um, we'll try to get those answered for you, um, or try to at least make it like um, get a, a guest speaker um, regarding that topic. So we want to satisfy the audience. Um, I could think that you know uh, Ebola is the most funnest thing ever to talk about, but you know. Really, the people want to know about, you know, STDs or, um, you know, diabetes versus um, hypertension or something. So please let me know. Just leave me a topic there and also any cultural topics or how to how medicine can create barriers as well to medicine. Okay, take care. Bye. Hello there. This is Angela Hubs, and I wanted to just take a moment and thank you so much for favoriting my channel. I am honored um, that you allow me to be part of your journey, and I'm really excited to see what you share, and I'm impressed that it's in two languages, so that's badass. Um, Also, thank you for what you do. I think it's so necessary. Um, The health education is, I mean, it's funny because people know what healthy is, but we really just want to be told and taught. So thank you for being a stand for all of us to be healthy and happy. Again, have a great rest of the day. Happy New Year. And again, just thank you for being part of the community. I'm looking forward to connecting with you further. Have a wonderful day. Hi, Miss Angela. Thank you so much for calling in. And I'm honored for you to follow me here as a woman here on Anchor. 
and um i just wanted to continue on with your topic regarding health education and that um I completely agree. Sometimes patients are just wanting that reassurance, you know, from their doctor. And I love to give that reassurance. I've seen it many times and many times, you know, time and time again, that my patients are just like, you know, they're asking me something and, that, you know, with some doubt. And then, you know, I reassure them and, and their face and their demeanor changes, you know. And sometimes with the time limit, especially in our in the system we, we work in, it's, it's hard to dedicate too much time and is you end up just like okay referral to diabetic educator or referral to blah 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 oh here's a printout you know um hope it's in spanish for you you know lady who only speaks spanish and then they get the english version of the you know passionate of the education they're supposed to get um and me as a you know my perspective has been very unique because when i practice medicine i practice it in two worlds you know like the english world in the Spanish world and um, in El Paso where I was doing some of my training and now I'm currently on break to completely pursue this health education was because of the things I saw in my residency um, and here in Dallas when I was a medical student in Parkland Hospital which was also a heavily you know high cultural place not only Hispanic as um, in El Paso but um, you know had high population of Hispanic people were people that spoke different languages and had a language barrier and I I found these kind of enormous voids you know where you know you would think oh people would need that reassurance and and you know that'd be that'd be awesome and yes it is but then there's even a further void where they when this person has a, a language barrier and the in the gaps you know, the lack of information or the misinformation, you know, people bringing me things. Well, I saw it on Facebook, this and or I heard on this this channel about this supplement and and that cinnamon, you know, could cure my diabetes. Like I we I've actually had a story like that where my colleague, you know, has a patient come in and was like, OK, doc, we're going to be taking off the insulin and metformin. We're going to be putting on the cinnamon. I heard that this is, I want to be on the natural stuff for my diabetes. <laughs> and, you know, she was thoroughly convinced that she could cure her or control her, not necessarily cure, but control her diabetes with a natural, you know, oh, we're going to do a cinnamon three times a day. And and when we investigated further and she asked a little bit more, it was like, okay, what do you mean? Like, how are you going to be taking something like a, like a teaspoon or, or what? And the patient answered, no, I'm going to be taking breakfast, lunch, and dinner, cinnamon toast crunch. And it's like, no, oh my goodness, you know, I, I, the only thing I can say is it's what the darnest, sometimes patients can say the darnest things, you know, just like children sometimes. And um, I notice that sometimes the gaps or the conclusions that people draw are can get lost in translation and and it and it's funny you know because like no no cinnamon toast crunch you know everyone can you know now listening to this could be like no that's funny you know (laughs) of course cinnamon toast crunch is not gonna cure you it's probably gonna make it worse (laughs) um you know and um but at the same time it presents an awareness to me as a provider that wow it's not that the 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 patient is 
uneducated and she just, you know, poor her, you know, she doesn't understand anything. And, you know, I I hope she gets it that, you know, we're not going to be able to do this. But I realize that, no, it's 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 a language barrier. It's a um, cultural thing, you know, that Latin Americans want to do more natural before they do something invasive. And to understand that, that that's what she was trying to clarify, you know. And um, I felt that this is some gaps in things that maybe a, a doctor who doesn't speak another language cannot see. And I felt this really opened my eyes, you know, during my training. And I hope that we continue to open other people's eyes here on Santopia. So please let me know any questions and comments. Take care. Alrighty, my people. So we have reached the conclusion of the respiratory illnesses um, show topic um, from on Sunday's show with Edward Banguera, our respiratory therapist from Colombia. We talked about several different things and about medicine in general and how sometimes we practice as a team in medicine in that regardless of your circumstances to continue to pursue you know any level of health care if that's what's your calling even if you might not be able to do exactly what you want as long as you get somewhere you know as the saying says you know you shoot for the for the moon but you might land upon the stars and that you know that is a wonderful thing as well and that nothing in healthcare is singular it's a group effort it's a team effort truly um so i hope hopefully you like the format let me know just i mean i'm here to grow be critical or you know give me praise whatever i'm open to transform um and um learn along the way and um enjoy this process of growing in a, my my medical skills in a different format and i'm super excited about that and haven't applied for a initial seed grant for my software platform which would include some public health um, analytics which is kind of my expertise which is in quality and high value quality measurement um, implementation and so hopefully we get the hundred thousand dollars that i applied to um last friday and of course if i win you guys will hear this wonderful exciting little segment but if i don't obviously life is about continuing to apply because many doors will be sh shut and many doors will say no but you just have to continue and so i want to leave that message with you today and um see you until next time and many blessings. Bye.